Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome back to Women in Music, the podcast sharing the tales of brilliant minds in music. They all just happen to be female. I'm your host, Millie Cotton, and it is so good to be back for season three of the podcast. This season has been supported by the Arts Fund Council, so a huge shout out to them for that. And our first guest of the season is singer-rapper Ashniko, who is on an astronomical rise. She's just released her hotly anticipated Demi Devil mixtape, which has gained critical acclaim from The Observer to Enemy. She's been named as one to watch by Vogue, Elle and the Sunday Times Star magazine, and her lyrics swing punches at the patriarchy as well as promoting sexual liberation. Since the release of her Hi It's Me EP in 2019, Ashniko has gained nearly 2 million followers on TikTok. Her new mixtape is heavily inspired by Naughty's icons Avril Lavigne and Khalees and sees her collaborate with the ethereal pop star Grimes and underground New York rapper Princess Nokia. It was eye-opening to sit down and talk with Ashniko. I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I hope you do too. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. Share the podcast if you fancy it and you can find us on Instagram at Women in Music Podcast and I'm at Millie underscore Cotton. So Ash, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. Happy that it's the weekend. So I kick off every single podcast with a quick fire round. So what was the last song that you listened to? Um, the last song I listened to... Hold on. Let's see. Um... Probably that new Justin Bieber song, Peaches. <laughs> do you know what? I've not heard it yet, but I need to do that afterwards. I can't, I'm like probably the only person who has it. He is a yet. beautiful voice. Uh, <laughs> he does. He is so true. What was the first album that you owned? Um, the first, I was literally just talking about this yesterday. The first album I ever owned, like physically, was LAMB by Gwen Stefani. I got it. I got it for my 11th birthday. Was it on CD or was it on tape? Wait, CD. CD yeah. <laughs> were there tapes when you were yeah. when you were little? No, I I I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last gig that you went to pre-lockdown? Um. Fuck. What was it? Jesus, I can't even remember. I know that I went to um, I went to a gig like middle lockdown like um like a like briefly when the lockdown eased we I went to like a little out like a very spaced out jazz club situation for my friend at bond um and like everyone was like two tables away from each other um and she played live in like a really really like intimate setting it was very it was so lovely. I just remember being like so shocked at hearing live music. I realized it was like just so beautiful. I started crying. Yeah, I mean, I miss it so much. It must be really weird not having played for so long. Oh my God. I like, yeah, and to be putting out music in the meantime is just 
very surreal not being able to actually like connect with people in real life it's it's sad yeah, of but you know it'll come back and last one for the quick fire round um the song that you're most looking forward to playing post lockdown um i can't wait to play my song slumber party and daisy A good place to start would be what has the last year been like for you during the pandemic? Um, it has been very, uh, very surreal, very strange. Um, I mean, for everyone, it's like the probably the weirdest year of our lives. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been putting out music and it's been doing really well, surprisingly, in the lockdown. So it's like a weird mix of like extreme sadness and anxiety that I am not going outside and doing normal human things and like weird euphoria that my music is doing well. But then, yeah, it's bittersweet, but I'm not complaining. I'm very grateful. Yeah, so you put out Demi Devil and how does it feel to have that out now in the world and there and how is it being received? Um. Yeah, I mean, people seem to like it. I'm really, I'm really happy. <laughs> I'm really happy that it's being received well. Um, I, yeah, I feel like such a sense of relief that it's finally out. Some of those songs I've been sitting on for years. Um, it's just good to put out a big body of work. Um, yeah, I'm proud of myself. What was it like making that during lockdown and how much of it did you make during lockdown? I made none of it during lockdown. I just finished it. Yeah, I just mixed and mastered it during lockdown. Um, probably finished it like right as we were going into lockdown. Um, I think the, yeah, like I said, some of the songs I've been sitting on for years. So yeah, I think what was the newest song on there? It was probably like Later Boy or something. Um, but yeah, the songs, those songs are a few years old and I definitely didn't like, I know some people like sat down during lockdown and just banged out a whole album, but I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I guess when there's like a lack of um, stimulation, it might be harder to, to create music. How do you go about creating your music usually? Like what is your inspiration? Um, I, take inspiration from like my own mental health and my own um, 
<laughs> my own experiences with failed relationships, uh, my own chaos, um, but also like other women in the music industry and fantasy novels, comic books, anime, cartoons. Um, yeah, lot, lots of different things. What is your favorite song on your album? Um, so it's actually a mixtape. Um, I haven't put out my album yet. I, w- I really wouldn't choose because they're all, I, I poured myself into all of them. So I feel like choosing is like choosing a favorite child. Um, so I think that is up, for the, up to the listener. Daisy is so cool. The video is amazing. The lyrics are so empowering. Daisy is, would you say she's an alter ego or a character? Um, yeah, Daisy is like, she's this alter ego vigilante character that I created, um, kind of like a DC comic book character, um, and she leaves behind Daisy's as like a calling card on, on someone's nightstand, on her victim's nightstand. When She leaves them on their nightstand when she's about to attack and then she leaves them behind after she's attacked. So that's how you know that she's she's been there. But yeah, she she wears latex and blue diamonds and glass platforms and she is everything I want to be. <laughs> I mean same. She's so cool. How did you <laughs> how did you come about with her character? Like how was she formed? Um I mean, I just was feeling, um, I feel like a lot of my songs are about reclaiming power, and I create these archetypes in my head um, to help me channel that power a little bit. Um, So, yeah, Daisy is, is this... She's this vigilante, she's this powerful um, dominatrix type character who um, like takes her revenge on her abusers and just horrible, disgusting men that I feel very, very, that I have a lot of rage towards in my life. So I have, Um, personified that rage into a uh, vigilante character that exists in the comic book in my mind. As women, we grow up with this cultural message that we shouldn't show anger and that anger is undesirable. And then that also, as women, we're supposed to want to be desired. So how does it feel to be interrupting those messages on such a large scale? Yeah, I mean, I'm not making my music for anyone. Um, it's for me, and that is the most important thing that I've learned as I've gotten older, is that it all has to come from a genuine place. It all has to come from me. I, I want to be desirable to myself. I want to be my own best friend, my own lover, because at the end of the day, I'm stuck with me for the rest of my life, and I will be my closest companion and friend. Um, and yeah, I, I want to be desired by myself. I want to treat myself the way I would treat a lover. I read a quote the other day. It was like, are you, 
are you loving yourself like the way you expect to be loved from other people um like how I expect a partner to treat me am I doing the same to myself and I was like no I'm actually not and I'm I'm improving that relationship every day I think and yeah and my music I am not making it for anyone else but myself I love my fans and I love I love their opinions on my music, but I, to make true, genuine art, I think I have to, I have to make it for myself first. Yeah, definitely. And do you find that you take on board other people's opinions or have you learned that that's something that you need to sort of like try and block out? I have learned in the music industry that men love to have their, uh, their opinions <laughs> heard all the fucking time. Um, and they love to play a role in the shaping and the sculpting of you as an artist. Um, and <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like, no, I'm not allowing that to happen because it can quickly become manipulative and controlling in, and it has become manipulative and controlling to me in many instances of my life. So let's talk about, seeing as we've men in the music industry, like why not? Why, what have been your experiences of men within the music industry that have been difficult or been um, just something that you've had to face or deal with? Um, I think as a young woman in music who started um, at a young age, I think not... I feel like I was very susceptible to being controlled. Um, not in like a very overt way, but yeah, being controlled by the men around me who thought they knew best. Um, and yeah, looking back in hindsight, it was quite manipulative. Um, but I think once I started to have a very clear vision of who I wanted to be, and what I wanted to become and the music I wanted to make. It was much easier for me to see when someone was trying to control me and my vision. Um, but yeah, going to like labels and management with no clear, clear vision of who you want to be and what you want to become, it's very easy for other people to start steering your ship. Um, and that happened to me at a young age. And for a while, I was beating myself up, like, oh, I wasted so many years um, <laughs> being, like, managed and controlled by this person. But then looking back, you know, I needed to go through that to know, like, what my boundaries are. And I know them, I know them very clearly now, which is, which is good. So you moved to London at a young age by yourself, right? So did you then find management? And what happened then? Um, yeah, so I moved to 18. Um, and I met, um, a lot of really talented people, um, and, yeah, I'm not gonna name any names, but, um, yeah, they, I mean, they helped me learn how to write songs and develop my artistry, um, and then I, um, about a year and a half ago, found like really really good management that helped me take things to the next level when was your first performance as ashniko because you say it's like a concept and like a you've got a certain style about you and it's a vision so how did that come about um well i think 
I've been Ashniko since I was like 15. <laughs> um, yeah, I think for me it's like sometimes it's me um, and sometimes it's a character that I tap into to help me channel confidence and um, self-love um, because as we all know, confidence is not a personality trait. It is a relationship that you have to build with yourself and that relationship can falter. Um, so yeah, some days I am her and some days she is, feels like a big sister to me. What are your main similarities and differences, would you say? Um, between me and her? Um, well, we're the same. We are the same. It's just as a public persona, I don't want to project my um, innermost vulnerabilities, my deepest, darkest vulnerabilities, because they're mine and they're, they're something that I keep for myself. With that in mind, are there any subjects that are kind of off limits for writing about for them? Um, no, I'll write about anything. I, um, I went through a phase. I go through, this is, okay, so I'm like terrified of like one day somebody leaking demos and stuff because sometimes I go into a studio session and just write like a diary entry <laughs> um, and with no intention of it ever coming out. Um, just writing it because I need to get something out. Like for a while, um, I was writing loads of songs about like being sexually assaulted, um, but in like a really diary entry type way, like not in a song that I'd ever put on an album or anything. Um, yeah, no, I'll write about anything. <laughs> um, I just don't name names. So let's talk about going viral. Um because you've had some time to reflect on it now, I guess, from when you first, when Stupid first went viral, because that blew up, right? So what was that like? And looking back on it now, is there anything that you would maybe tell yourself while you were going through that process? Um, <laughs> I would go back and tell myself not to read the comments or name search myself or just... Yeah, just to get the fuck off social media because it really took a toll on my mental health. And it still takes a toll on my mental health. Um, but yeah, it's something that I'm still dealing with. Um, but yeah, being a being an artist that goes viral is uh, <laughs> not great for your mental health. But yeah, it has had great effects on my career for sure, and I'm super grateful that people are liking my music. How would you say that it's changed your day-to-day? -day? So what was it like beforehand and what's it like now? Um, I'm way more busy, <laughs> um, like a hundred times more busy. I, um, yeah, I have to like get other people to do my social media for me, um, simply because I just don't wanna I don't want to see it. It's so unhealthy. Um, I think I think that all record labels should feel an obligation to provide like social media training um, and mental health services for their artists because when that happened to me, it was like quite. It was all of a sudden, and I had no one to really talk to about it, 
and it was very shocking to my system and <laughs> no one tells you that um so yeah i would i would definitely urge them to take some actions about because it was pre-pandemic wasn't it so did you go from being kind of like walking down the street and people knowing who you were to from maybe it not being like that um well yeah now now okay so like pre-pan yeah it was weird like a few people would recognize me pre-pandemic but it's actually gotten worse in the pandemic um yeah like i'll go to the shop every time i go to the shop someone says something but it's interesting because i have my mask on it's just because i have bright blue hair so i mean yeah your hair's amazing it'd be hard not to to notice it i guess thank you with your with your style so your hair how has that evolved was it something that you've always had in mind that you wanted to do um yeah no i was a hot mess before like my style has evolved very drastically um <laughs> over the past few years i didn't know how to dress before there are some really cringe pictures out there of me um but yeah i think when it came together it came together and i knew it was right and now i'm like 25 years old and i'm like okay now i know how to dress everything i've worn up until this point was horrendous <laughs> taught yourself about feminism what was it that made you interested in feminism to start with apart from being a woman and obviously experiencing the things that we experience on a daily basis um i mean that's pretty much it there's nothing there's no other reason really i am um, yeah i'm from like conservative south in the united states so it's pretty patriarchal um pretty conservative and yeah, there's a certain expectation of women in my family um, that I was not okay with. So <laughs> I definitely am the rebel child of the family. So I ask everyone about women they want to shout out at the moment who they think are doing really cool stuff. So if you could pick just a few. Definitely Princess Nokia. She's amazing. I interviewed her yesterday. Um, for Bricks magazine, and she's featured on my song Slumber Party. Um, she's just like the coolest artist ever. Um, she has such a good, good spirit. I'm not shy, I'll say it. I've been picturing you naked. I'm all little faded. You look like a fucking painting. Big doe eyes, amazing. She's everything I've been praying. My heart pal. She looks like the type to break it. Me and your girlfriend play. 
You're doing a live stream next month, right? What can we expect from your live stream? Um, I don't want to spoil it, but it is like a fairy mushroom acid trip, basically. It's beautiful. I'm so, so obsessed with it. With your visuals, how much input do you have into that and how do you explain it? Because with your videos, they are like another world, right? So is that in your head and then you have to try and explain that? Um. So I work with a lot of really talented directors. Um, one of them is Charlotte Rutherford. She is so talented. Um, she has very similar visual brain to me. Um, and yeah, our, we work really well together. Um, and she has done my live stream and my past two videos and my upcoming video. Um, I'm not going to tell you what it is though. Um, but yeah, she, I just am able to tell her what I want and she somehow magically just creates it in the exact way that it was in my brain. Um, yeah, like with Daisy, I was like, yeah, I want to be inside of a mouth just dancing. And she was like, okay. And then there I was inside of my own mouth. Um. Yeah, she's really good at making all of my uh, weird thoughts a reality. That's really, really cool that you have that relationship. Um, also, what a cool job. Yeah, exactly. I'm so, I'm so excited for the art that we are going to make in the future as well. So for the future, what's next? What are your plans? Um, I am hoping to tour this year. Fingers crossed. We'll see. We'll see what what COVID says. Um, yeah, I'm hoping to put out more music and just keep making art. Um, but yeah, it's my my fingers are crossed for touring. Please, mm. please, God. I hope so. Finally, what are three pieces of advice for other artists that you can give? Be nice to yourself and be nice to your artistry. Um, because bad art helps you make the good art always. You have to make, you have to make a lot of bad art to get to the good stuff for sure. Um, and yeah, I've made a lot of really cringe stuff <laughs> and I'm glad I did because a lot of that stuff led to stuff that I'm really proud of. So yeah, be nice to yourself when you're going through a little bit of a creative block because it's necessary. It's all part of the process. The ebb and flow of creativity. Yeah, that's such good advice. Thank you. Um, and thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. It's been so lovely to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs>